If you were with us last week, you'll uh, remember that we talked about uh, getting free from negative self-opinions, lies that we tell ourselves. Has anybody here ever, you can be honest, who's ever told yourself a lie and you believed it, right? We all have done that. We've all believed something. Hopefully, we're still not believing that lie, but we've done that. And we have these negative self-opinions um, of ourselves that we, of course, create in our own minds. But I was thinking about self-opinions, self-opinions that are not guarded in the Word of God, like we talked about last week. What happens is uh, when they're not guarded, we begin to speculate. We begin to make assumptions. We begin to fantasize about false realities, right? Um, and so that's a real battle that goes on. And we learned that last week that the way that you overcome those self-opinions and those lies that you tell yourself uh, Paul says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty to pull down strongholds, right? And that's such a life-giving, um, freeing truth in the Word of God. But, uh, so there's, there's what we struggle with on our own minds, but then there's this other thing. There are people that we know, right? There are people that we know. Maybe, maybe they're, they're in our circle, uh, maybe that we are acquaintances with, maybe just people that we see maybe on social media. But there are people out there who make negative opinions about you. And they make you feel inferior or they intimidate you, right? You guys, you say, yes, I, I've experienced that. I've got people in my life who treat me like that. They treat me like I'm second class. Well, today we're going to um, look at a biblical example on how we deal with this inferiority complex, right? And um, so we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. So last week we were in chapter 10. Next week we'll be in chapter 12. You don't want to miss next week because next week I'm going to share with you about Paul's thorn in the flesh, okay? It is going to be epic. It's going to be like, wow, this is amazing, okay? But it's, it's going to be pretty cool. So, so I want you to come back and if you can listen and, and, and all that. So, but here's, as we're going to chapter 11, here's a question. Why did, why did the Spirit of God inspire the Apostle Paul to write about inferiority? I think it's a twofold thing. One side of it was, is that God or Paul was one, needed to expose um, oppressors, oppressors of God's people. Okay? He wanted to expose those people. He wanted to say, I want to bring to light these people who are acting this way. The other side of it was is that Paul wanted to liberate God's people from those oppressors who were making them feel inferiority, inferior. Now, inferiority complex can actually take on different names. Like, who's ever heard of the measuring up syndrome? Okay? Kind of the same thing. It's kind of like when you've got spiritual bullies in your life uh, that are trying to control your life, trying to press you down, trying to get you to walk under the law when you are actually under grace, and putting you into this yoke of slavery that Paul talks about in the book of Galatians. And so we want to kind of like unpack this and begin to see how Paul dealt with other people trying to make him feel inferior, okay? So let's go to verse 1 through 6. So track with me on this. Just follow along. I wish that you would bear with me in a little foolishness, but indeed you are bearing with me. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to one husband so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. But I am afraid that 
as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. For if one comes and preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. For I consider myself not in the least what? Inferior to the most eminent apostles. But even if I am unskilled in speech, yet I am not so in knowledge. In fact, in every way we have made this evident to you in all things. Here's the Apostle Paul writing to a church that he dearly loved. He loved these people. I mean, in all the mess that you see back in 1 Corinthians and all the stuff that they had all whacked out, he loved these people. He cared about their souls. And he had a great concern for them because why? Well, here in this text, they have been embracing preachers who were preaching a pseudo-gospel. They were preaching... Uh, law and grace together, like, okay, you got to live under the law. And he's like, no, no, that's a pseudo-gospel. That was leading to a, down a road of false salvation. And they were trying to present this aura of religious superiority. And so they were opposing Paul. They were legalists, okay? They were practicing legalism. And though they tried to put Paul down, and they would, by putting him down, they were trying to elevate themselves. They had their own measure of spirituality. They had their own definition of what it meant to be closer to God. Their gospel was different. Their spirituality was different. The way that they did their ministry was different. It was very flashy. They were, about, you know, they were all about mysticism and superficial uh, things. They would focus on the gifts of the Spirit rather than on the fruit of the Spirit. They were more concerned about the external spirituality and not the internal thing that God was trying to do in their life and in their hearts. And you look at this and you say, man, these people were chasing after the coolest, slickest preacher of the day. I don't think it's any different in 20th century, 21st century, do you? People will go after the hippest, coolest messenger, and they're not chasing after Christ. And here's what Paul says to all that. He says, you know what? I don't consider myself in the least inferior to the most eminent apostles. Even the ones that are the real dudes that are down in Jerusalem, like, like Peter and Andrew and all those guys, I don't consider myself the least inferior to those guys, nor to these pseudo-apostles who are puffing themselves up. But even if I am unskilled in speech, yet I am not so in knowledge. What's interesting, why he brings that up is because in that particular culture, philosophy and philosophers were a big thing. So you guys know, probably know about Greek history. You know, you guys, you got guys like Socrates, Aristotle, Plato, not the stuff you play with, right? The kid stuff is actually a person's name. His name is Plato, okay? Uh, but you had all these people and these were all famous philosophers. And in that culture, philosophy was a big deal. In fact, you know what the word philosophy means? Sophie means um, uh, knowledge, and philo means love, or man's love. It's the love of man's knowledge. 
So we had all these people who loved the men's knowledge and all the stuff that they could say. And so what was interesting about in this particular culture is when you had these, partic- these cities all over Greece, they had these public squares where people would get together and get, they would get up on stumps or they'd get up, up on, you know, pieces of, of rock, and they would stand up and they would give their speech. And they would have all this rhetoric and they go back and forth. Almost sounds like the Senate, doesn't it? Okay. But they're going back and forth and they're talking and they're trying to outsmart each other with their words and outtalk each other, slam this guy, slam that guy. And they were all about, hey, my philosophy is the coolest philosophy and you need to come follow me. And so Paul is in this culture with all that. And he got these super apostles, these people who were proclaiming to be these apostles, uh, you know, and, and so they, they're all about that. And, and so the people would gravitate toward whoever was the most eloquent speaker. And they would say stuff like, oh, Paul isn't that good of an orator like these other dudes. These guys can talk a better talk than he can talk. And so they gravitated toward that. And what Paul, it's interesting that we precursed this, so to speak, you go back to chapter 1 and chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, the first letter. Here's what Paul says. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech. Then he says in chapter 2, my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom. They're not in slick salesman talk. He's no, 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 no. Mine is in the demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Paul's saying, hey, I admit it. I'm not that good of a speaker. I'm not good of a, that, you know, I don't, I'm not a great orator by, like some of these other guys that are so-called super apostles. But you know what? When I preach, I preach with the spirit and the power of God. That's all I need. That's all I need. And back in verse 6 of chapter 11, he says, hey, I'm paraphrasing it. Hey, if you want to compare resumes, I'm not inferior to any of you. I'm not inferior. I may be inferior in speaking, but not in the knowledge of God. I'm not inferior in knowing the Word of God and knowing the God of the Word. I'm not inferior to that. You know, I think we can probably look around in our life And we can begin to pick out people that we know and say, man, they're really good at that. And they're really good at that. You know? I mean, do you guys know why I'm not in the worship, on the worship team? I'm tone tone deaf. Okay? You don't want me on the worship team. Okay? And I know the Bible says, talk about making a joyful noise. I don't know if my noise is joyful. Okay? (laughs) But no, I do sing with joy. I mean, I sing, but I'm not, okay, I'm not good at singing. Okay, but there's other things that I'm good at. You may not be good at something that someone else is good at, but there are things that you can do that you're that are better and better. You're you're gooder <laughs> at those things than other people, right? God has gifted you in certain skill sets, and you know it's like Larry back there. He's great at accounting. I'm terrible at accounting. You know, he's he's gifted in that. He knows what he's doing. All right, that's just one example. When we look at verse seven through twelve. The language that Paul writes about is um, really, he hints at the prosperity gospel. You think, well, wait, wait. Well, I thought the prosperity gospel was a 20th century thing or 21st century. No, no, no. Paul dealt with it in, 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 in the first century. And these slick-talking preachers were all about money, 
All their messages were about money and so they could pad their big salaries. They, they, when they talked about the abundant life, it's all about money. Nothing to do with the spiritual fruit. It's all about money. You know, they say, well, godliness is gain. As we talked, Paul talked about that to Timothy. Uh, they would preach that it's not God's will to suffer when that actually contradicts uh, uh, the uh, scripture. In 1 Peter 4, it says it's God's will that you do suffer. But there's a purpose of it. So they would preach opposite of what the Word of God would teach. And so Paul is writing here, and in verse 12, he says, listen, um, because he knows all the tactics, he knows all the lies, he knows all the gossips being said, he he says, listen, I'm going to take away any opportunity that other people claim that I'm a moocher and I'm a user, because that's what they are doing to you, is what he's saying. And I was thinking about that. I thought, you know, if we know in our own personal life that somebody in our life or around our life can fabricate a lie or exaggerate the truth, don't even give them an opportunity to even do so. Amen? Don't, don't, don't compromise your character so that they have an opening and a target on your back to shoot you down. Amen? Now watch what Paul says next. This is This is amazing. He says in verse number 13, he says, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder. For even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it's not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. Do you know that for every genuine thing that is made, there's always a knockoff? You know, years ago, Angela went to New York City with a group of ladies to go shopping. This is way, way back, okay? It wasn't last year. It was like, like 25-something years ago. And she goes up there, and she's shopping with these ladies, and they're out on the streets. And, you know, they got all these peddlers on the streets. And I don't remember how this went. I'm not sure if the guy opens up his coat or what. But, <laughs> hey, here's a Rolex for sale. She goes, a Rolex? Yeah, it's only like, I don't know, it's like 50 bucks or something or 100 bucks. So she bought it. She goes, it must be a hot Rolex or something. Well, you know, I got it, and I had my best man, who's a U.S. Marshal, he's a smart dude, he's much smarter than I am. Don't mess with me. He's a U.S. Marshal, okay? <laughs> no kidding. Okay. Uh, no, I'm not. All right. So, uh, <laughs> okay. All right. So anyway, so he, he's checking it out. He goes, man, this isn't real. He says, this is a Bolex. I said, what's a Bolex? He goes, it's a fake Rolex, <laughs> right? So <laughs> I had a Bolex. So I'd wear this Bolex. And uh, anyway, but for every genuine thing, there's always a knockoff. There's always um, a counterfeit. You ever notice that after someone creates a valuable product that it doesn't take too long, that there's this other product that comes along that says it's just like that, and it even claims to be better and to be superior, but it doesn't take long to find out that it's just junk and it breaks. It's no different than a pseudo-gospel. It's no different than a cheap gospel. It's no different than a cheap convert who has a form of godliness but denies the power of Christ. It's typically those people who are trying to make you feel inferior actually are dealing with an inferiority complex themselves. They feel intimidated. They feel threatened. So what do they do? They display superiority. They got the chip on the shoulder. They pretend to be bigger and better than other people. They talk louder. They, they have 
more arrogant claims than anybody. They drop lies about the person that they're threatened by, right? They put on a mask of success. They deny their own faults. They deny their own weaknesses. They avoid even self-accountability, and they begin to point fingers at other people so they can get the blame off of themselves. You guys ever done that old trick where you put your finger out like this? You guys do that with me real fast. Just kind of do that. Just kind of put the finger out. You got one point, you got maybe two, but you got a finger pointing toward the others. How many fingers you got pointing back at you? You got three. <laughs> we need to look at ourselves before we start pointing fingers at other people, right? Right? Yeah, exactly. You got a speck and you know, look, look at the two by four in your own, right? And so uh, but that's, that's the typical people who have an inferiority complex. That's what they'll do is they'll, because they're threatened, they begin to try to press every other person down. Paul calls these people deceitful workers. And what's, what's interesting is that he says this in the context of church, and he saying, listen, these deceitful workers even serve among God's people, his true people. What does it mean? What does it mean when he mentions these, these people disguised as people of light in the context of inferiority? And I was thinking about light, if we know somebody is a real light or a fake light, right? You know, we think about, now I'm going, kind of going back to like pre-LED days, right? So that's way back, right? <laughs> that was actually a couple years ago. But, you know, you got these incandescent bulbs, and the cheap ones always do what? They burn out faster, don't they? They don't last. And I was also thinking about bug lights, you know those little zapper things, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? You know the ones that got the purple glow and, and it just draws the bugs in. You know, have you guys ever seen that movie, The Bug's Life? That's what I think about, the light, you know? Stay away from the light. And, and so, you know, you, you, and that's what fake, fake lights do. Fake light Christians, they, they, they bait, they trick, and then they zap their prey. That's what legalistic inferiority does. It draws you in. The glow looks really good, but then it brings you in and zaps you. And that's why Paul says it back in chapter 3. He says, man, the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life and liberty. I was thinking about this idea of inferiority. And really, when others, even so-called Christians, are trying to put you down, make you feel inferior so they can actually lift themselves up, it's actually a form of hatred. It's not loving your brother. Here's what it says in 1 John 2. The one who says he's in the light and he hates his brother is in darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no stumbling in him. Maybe the most deceptive and most disguising form of this is making people feel inferior and second class and is really hating our brother. Now, here, as we get back to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we kind of wrap up this sermon today. The people in Corinth, they were letting it happen. They were not standing up to this oppression and the way that other so-called Christians were actually treating them. And so what Paul says in verse 20, check this out. He says, for you tolerate it if anyone enslaves you, anyone devours you, anyone takes advantage of you, anyone exalts himself, anyone hits you in the face. He says, you put up with it. Why do you put up with people treating you like that? Why do you let them put you under an oppressive, legalistic attitude and mindset? These people, he's trying to say, are oppressing you. They're bullying you. Now, I don't know, it, when he says slaps them in the face, I don't, mean, I don't know if he means like they were physically harming them, but there was certainly emotional and psychological aspect. But they were doing, they were enslaving the followers to be 
under the law, after they've been set free from the law, then now they're trying to enslave them back under the law. So when so-called followers display superiority to make you feel inferior, whether they add a bunch of rules on your life or innuendos that their godliness is superior to yours, or they brag about the things that they do or the things that they don't do, that they live this perfect life, if they imply that they've arrived or that they have this super knowledge of God and you don't and so you're lesser than them, watch out, friends. Somebody is trying to subject you to inferiority. Amen? Don't let it happen. If some follower implies that they've arrived spiritually, they probably never got started. <laughs> you know, Paul talked about in Galatians 3, he says, Oh foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? And then he says, You began in the spirit, but now you're trying to be made perfect by the flesh. That's what they try to do. If someone has to brag about their prayers or their fasting, or their regimented devotions, if they have to brag that they're closer to God than you, or their spiritual gifts are better than yours, if they have to brag about they don't commit certain, Christ, certain sins, or they don't uh, partake in certain vices, if they start to brag that they got stricter rituals than you, or they're holier than you, guess what? They're self-deceived themselves. Here's what Paul says in Galatians 6.3. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Watch out. Now, think about pride. Paul, if you read his letters, he could not stand prideful people. Neither could Jesus. You know, when you look at Jesus, who did he always confront? The Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, right? Because they were just so full of pride. And Paul, it bothered him about all the prideful bragging that these people were doing, these super apostles. And so Paul says, okay, so as he begins to write in verses 22 through 29, he says, okay, I'm going to use a little sarcasm here to kind of make a point. So he goes through and he says, hey, let me brag about myself sarcastically. And he goes through and he starts listing all the, the things that he'd gone through in suffering and persecution for Jesus. Legalists try to make you feel inferior. They never want to make themselves look weaker. They have false humility. They rarely admit their faults. And here's the other thing. Here's how you know that someone's, they, they think that they got the superior spirituality. Here's the thing. None of them can actually describe to you a real experience with God, and they can't describe to you real persecution and real suffering for Christ. You guys tracking with me? And that's what Paul points out. So he's writing all this, I mean, I've had all these years of opposition. He is trying to advance the gospel and the kingdom of God, and he has several near-death experiences. He has times of poverty. He has times where he's been robbed. There's been times where he's been in prison. And he even says this, I've even been in danger of false brethren. Hmm. These so-called super-Christians claimed to have super-knowledge, claim to have this mystical experience, have secret access to God, just like Gnosticism. And even today, we see this idea of hyper-Calvinism that is trying to say, I got this superior knowledge of God, and you are less than me. And he's saying, listen, don't believe it. Most of them can't even describe even any real suffering that they've had. That's why the prosperity gospel is so dangerous. Because it says, oh, well, you should be living rich and you should have all this because you're godly. 
It denies the whole fact like, no, there is difficulty in this life. Amen? There's difficulty. And so don't get caught up in that and get tricked by that. Now, as we close with this, come to a close, this is, I, I think this is a kind of a funny situation, but Paul says, okay, I give you all these general generic uh, sufferings and stuff I've gone through, but then he ends with a real story, and he says, hey, there was a time when I was in this particular city, and these city officials were trying to hunt me down, and I was in this, I was in the, an upstairs building, like an upper room like this, and somebody let me out the window in a basket to escape. If you've ever wondered if Paul was a basket case, there you go, right? There it is, right there. But, you know, I know we're joking about that, but, you know, we don't know what mental and emotional trials that he went through. You know, maybe some of you in this room, you say, man, I feel like a basket case. I feel like, man, I've just been oppressed, and there's, I just, people have felt, maybe feel second class and inferior. God does not want you to stay in that mindset. You're not inferior to anyone. If you're here and you're in Christ, you're a follower of Jesus, you're not superior to anybody and you're not inferior to anybody. And oftentimes you see that in churches where they'll, they'll put the pastor on a pedestal. I don't ever want anybody to put me on a pedestal. Amen. Listen, just like you guys, I have a calling on my life. I have spiritual gifts in my life. You have a calling on your life, and you have spiritual gifts in your life. Every single one of us that are followers of Jesus, we've all been saved from sin, right? We've all been rescued from sin. And so what's cool is that God has given us a unique set of gifts, and we've got a personality that God has given to us. And we have um, certain passions about us. And we have certain life experiences that we've all have gone through. There is nobody exactly like you. God has created you uniquely. He's given you special gifting and experiences. And so he wants to use you in that. He wants to glorify himself through your life. You're not above anybody. You're not below any other follower. You're just on a spiritual journey just like everybody else. Amen?